Welcome to the podcast at Clark's Room. The podcast is the unedited, unfiltered version of me. They are short snippets of my thoughts on education, technology, and leadership. Welcome, Clark's Room. I don't know what episode this is or what episode this is going to be when I post it. I am in a hotel room in San Francisco and getting ready to go to lead. 3.0 and so I'm hoping to meet with lots of educators and and maybe even interview more than just a couple but I'm here with the illustrious the amazing the impressive Mark Welty who is a principal in the Roseville City School District so Mark tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're at and what you're doing right now well I am principal like you said at Caseburg Elementary School in Roseville City School District in Roseville California outskirts of Sacramento um, we are a kindergarten through fifth grade school um, got a little over 300 kids and we have a couple other preschools on our campus so it makes it a little bit interesting but um, we are uh, we're a title one school and and we're proud of it and we do some really great things for helping our community and serving our students needs and helping our families to um, to just uh, succeed so anyway I'm proud of our uh, Caseburg Hawks awesome the Hawks yeah all right so one thing it's interesting when I first drove through and moved into Roseville City as an administrator and drove through and drove around your site was very unique to me because literally you're next door to district office. Now, now that's got to be interesting as a site administrator, right? To be right next door to district office. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, you know, you have people that just kind of walk on over, they stroll on over. We see plenty of district um, uh, employees that are just taking their walk and kind of strolling around near our playground. So it's, it's, it's fun. Um, I always have that kind of fun feeling of like, hey, come come check out the cool things we're doing. But at the same respect, you know, I'm like, hey, you're popping over again. All right, wasn't planning on that. So it's, you know. Yeah, because they don't have to drive anywhere. They don't. It's literally they walk don't. across the parking lot. Just come on down. Yeah. So you have that come on down kind of attitude. It's all good. What was your journey, you know, first getting just in general into education and then the journey from being a teacher into administration? What was what, What's that look like? Wow, um, I feel like it's like an interview question. It's a great question. I, so, um, gosh, I had a really great example in a sixth grade teacher that showed me that that learning was fun, even though I was a struggling learner. Um, I knew I was going to teach when I was in junior high, and then I jumped on into that full bore. Thought how great it would be to to teach uh, history to kids, tell stories all day, and then and then I then I thought, you know what? I think I want to I want to work in the elementary realm. Um, and then I uh, ended up teaching middle school for a little bit, but then I spent like, uh, gosh, nine years teaching fourth grade um, at Sierra Gardens Elementary. And then what ended up happening from there, our administrator left from there. I had my tier one credential because I expected somewhere down the road, really far, far down the road, I'd take a principal job. I really wasn't looking for it. Mm-hmm. And then um, that that prince, my principal at that time took that position and um, I'm sitting in her office with one of the HR guys and they explain what they'd, they'd like me to come on board and take over for her. And I, and I had to think about it for a while. And, and I think the, the, the thing that was reinforcing within a lot of the colleagues that were almost like family to me is, 
um, in the staff meeting where they explained the process where now my administrator is going to be going to the to the county and work there and as a coach and everybody kind of like their breath went out of them and then it was like they're holding their breath and they said well mark is going to be taking over from there it was like they let their breath out and it was just it was just um and and there was just a relief amongst them and it was just reinforcing to me that they believed in me and then from there i realized i kind of like the gig it was really cool to make your plans firmly set in Jello every day. You get your plans set up, and then you just got to keep shimmying and wiggling to get all these other things that get thrown your way. You have to figure out how to get them done. And I realized I had the skill set for that. So you went from teacher to principal. Yeah. So that that's an interesting dynamic because in some districts that may be kind of the path yeah but like I went from teacher to vice principal and I'm still mm -hmm. in that role and the learning curve I know the first year for me being a vice principal I was terrible like it was hard I didn't know what I, like people think you know what you're doing you have no idea what you're doing and so year three I really felt like okay I, I got this I always knew I could get there but it was like I got this so like what was that like going oh, I'm teaching littles and now oh my gosh I am running the ship I, it made it even more complicated because I went from a role as a peer and a colleague with um, a, a, a teacher that was across the hall from me to now I'm supervising you. It, it, it changed the dynamic um, dramatically. It made it so I really had to keep building those relationships and also draw some pretty good boundary lines mm -hmm. between what was now kind of my professional responsibility of as a supervisor, but now, but also trying to retain that closeness that I had and mm -hmm. being colleague with them. It was really difficult. And I feel to some degree, I was cheated out of a little bit of the learning curve that an AP or an assistant principal would have. Cause I, yeah, I, I would say that that, that learning curve of, of working underneath somebody to learn, get my chops yeah. that way, cut my teeth. But in the other side of that coin, I was almost an assistant principal in the amount of um, teacher in charge jobs yeah. that I was able to do under my, um, my mentor, um, that principal that left. She really showed me the ropes. So I was really fortunate to have that. No, that's very cool. I, you know, there's lots of paths. We know that. Then I know I brought it up earlier, but just getting back to, I know we, we're kindred spirits when it comes to data, mm. but I found a freedom in data. Yeah. What just in general, and I know everyone talks about data decision, mm -hmm. data-driven decision-making, and I'm like, such a cliche, but like as a site leader, like if you had to give like your little elevator speech about data, like what would that be? A couple things. Um, uh, first one is data doesn't have feelings. Data doesn't have emotion. Data is just numbers. Um, and what you read into it, what you can pull from it is going to determine how you process, analyze. And when you go person to person, they may find different things mm -hmm. within there. Um, and really data for the sake of, and we talked about this earlier of following grade levels and how grade levels do is not the kind of data I love. I love data that follows cohorts of kids because that right there tells me how trajectories of growth of students, um, 
are established. It tells a better story. It tells an amazing yeah. story because then you know what kind of trajectory you're dealing yeah. with in a group of students as a, and, and you know what, what that trajectory, if that trajectory is going the wrong direction, you know when to step in and do something and have some hard conversations yeah. to try to correct it. just it. feels like for me, I'm a huge believer in cohort looking. Like yeah. I think that's super important because for me, if you look at, let's say Mark's a fifth grade teacher this year and I look at your data this year and I look at your data last year and I look mm -hmm. at your data the year before, they're different students. I'm really looking for a gotcha. Yeah. Like even if I don't think I am, yeah. like that's the only information you're getting out of that mm -hmm. versus if you look at cohort, you can really see growth or lack of growth. And yeah. it's not about a gotcha, it's about, hey, we both have this goal. We're not getting to that goal. What can we do to help get there? Cohort data is really, really powerful. I, I actually did a, a, I don't know if it was a blog post or a podcast a few weeks ago on data rich, information poor, mm. and how we have more data at our fingertips as educators than we've ever had ever. I mean, to be a history teacher right now, oh my gosh, you can literally take kids anywhere in the world through Google expeditions or whatever. Like just, it's amazing. But we, as administrators, we're not very good at taking data and turning it into information that can affect teachers and affect students. Yeah. And that's where the real power is in my mind is taking data and turning it into information that can be used. The amount of information that we ask teachers to submit and we don't do anything relevant with it, needs to be minimized. It's like, you know, homework's evil right now, right? Mm -hmm. And it, that's sort of like busy work homework. Yeah. We want this information, but it's just that get it, not to do anything with it. Yeah, that's and not fair. It, whatever whatever um, we ask teachers to submit needs to be relevant and powerful. If it's not relevant and powerful, then um, it, it doesn't really belong in their area of, uh, of, of submission because it's taken them out of instruction. Mm -hmm. They actually are now pulled out of instruction to give this assessment. Forget about it. Let's yeah. just stay with relevant and powerful and let's do something with that data. I'm on board, man. You awesome. got to believe it right here. Yeah. If people wanted to reach out and, and, and find you on the Twitter sphere, yep. where, where can they find you at? Find me. My handles MC Welty, um, M C W E L T Y. Um, my school, you can always hashtag us out. Um, it's uh, Caseburg Rocks is going to be where you can find mm -hmm. all kinds of posts that we have on the Twitter sphere. Um, we're we're always going to be always our identity within the Roseville, our our, our within our Facebook and Instagram are going to be at RCSD Caseburg, and it's K A S E B E R G. Awesome. And I would just say, you know, thanks, thanks. I kind of ambushed you. We didn't really, I didn't tell you what we were talking Love about, it. right? Love it. But um, if if there's any of the the three of you that listen out there that are at a Title One school, I came from Title One background, but from a Title One district. But if you're at a Title One school in a fairly affluent district, reach out to Mark. He's a great resource because that poses its own set of challenges, right? Yeah, um, so thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the podcast at Clark's Room. As always, you can catch me on Twitter at Clark's Room or online at clarksroom.com to check out the blog. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Keep living the dream.